Who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. You play to win the game. We're in here talking about practice. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Come after me! They're comedians, they're sports fans, and all-around degenerates. It's the Who's On First podcast with your hosts, Matt Marin and Anthony Passaretti. I'm a man. I'm 40. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Who's On First podcast. Uh, another week in the books, another year with Joey Chestnut and Mickey Sudo as the men and women's hot dog eating champions. Obviously, biggest news of the sports week. I'm Matt Marin here with Anthony Passaretti. <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to get introduced before you talked about the hot dogs. <laughs> no, you're fired. <laughs> no, I had, I had to mention Joey Chestnut first. Yeah. Big Sorry. This is your big this is your big event. Like this is this is short of the XFL coming back. This has got to be like one of the biggest things that could happen. Um I would put this ahead of the XFL. The uh, this has been going the hot dog eating contest has been going on a lot longer than the XFL. I I ate two hot dogs today and a few on the 4th just to be excited about well, it. Plus Joey I just Chestnut, fucking love hot dogs. Joey Joey Chestnut ate 75 in 10 minutes. Yeah, a new world record. W- which I looked it up. It's something like 21,000 calories. And like how long does it take him yeah. to do it? Like two How long do you get? 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah, that's absurd. I was wondering this. A couple other people I was talking to were wondering it too. Do you know how long do you have to keep it in you? Do you have to like poop it out, or do you get like disqualified if you puke? Like, what happens after? Uh, if you if you puke on the stage, you're disqualified. Fair. Um, I, I would not, assume. Like, like yeah. what's the what's the how long before you could feasibly puke and still win? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know specifically in uh, in the rule book if there is a specific set amount of time. I would assume uh, at least until the end of the competition. Uh, once you're like doing interviews and stuff, by that point, I don't think there's been a case where somebody actually does puke like ten minutes after. That'd be so funny. They're getting like post game interviewed, and out of nowhere, it's just like boom, just like hot dogs <laughs> storm right in like Bob Costas's face or something. Whoever does it, yeah. <laughs> Now, there may have to be an asterisk next. So this year, Mickey Sudo set the world record for women's as well with 48 and a half hot dogs. She's won it several years in a row. Joey Chestnut is his uh, 13th overall victory. But, one, it was indoors. So not having to deal with the heat outside may play a role. And also, let not much of a crowd and less competition. I don't know what the competition... There were less people because they were social distance eating, mm-hmm. which was interesting to see. There was just a uh, long table. They had, like, table. plexiglass between <laughs> each of them. That's, that is hilarious. I, I, um, I, but I don't think necessarily having less people to compete against would hurt them. But definitely, I would think uh, not having a crowd there, not being outside of Coney Island in the heat in the middle of the summer might have played a role. So I don't know if these will be uh, records with asterisks next to them or not. But either way, another day for uh, another great day for two great Americans, Mickey Sudo and Joey Chestnut. I think the heat might be – I think he might be on to with the heat. But as far as like uh, the field of competition being smaller, I think that's not a factor because it was a world record, right? It's not like anyone else in yeah. any other 
God, it's like it's the record. No one can beat more than right. that. So even if he was just yeah. fighting himself, I was pretty bummed out because I slept in that morning pretty hard. And I woke up after it was over. And I found out from a couple of my gambler friends that uh, Vegas had set the over-under on 72 and a half hot dogs. And he had been tweeting that he was guaranteed to get at least 74. And I'm really angry I didn't bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that would have taken the over on that. If he he's done over seventy two, I think the last few years in a row, he keeps setting his own new world record. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like everybody was like, "Oh, they they fucked this up. The over is such a lock here." But it happened as I was sleeping. I like woke up to a couple of my friends being like, "I just made like a hundred bucks on this fucking hot dog contest." It's like, ah, damn, yeah. missed out. No, it was great. The uh, George Shea is the president of Major League Eating and the announcer. His introductions were great as always. Badlands Booker came out and did a whole rap routine that he does every year. How, that's the whitest way I could have said that. Did his whole rap routine. <laughs> he, said, he came out with his other MC friends get... and they did some raps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, how much do uh, I sound completely like a white mom trying to sound him? They were fly while they were doing their raps. Yeah. <laughs> um, the women's competitions, a lot of times uh, they only have an hour of airtime, and there's been times where they don't air the women's competition, they just show you what happened. But they showed this year, you watch the full competition. Um, I. I mean, there wasn't a crowd there. There were a couple of, like, reporters and people who were there, designated counters, who were all six feet apart. It's crazy that the hot dog eating contest may be the most hygienic athletic event that we have during the quarantine. Well, I guess it involves food. So I guess there always had to be some level of, like, if they're going to be eating all this, it can't be, like, too grimy. So I guess there had to have been some standard before this. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, – and also because it's not at other sports, it didn't get bumped. It was on ESPN. Most years it's on ESPN 2. One year it was on ESPN 3. You had to like watch it online because of fucking Wimbledon. Isn't it called like ESPN News? Isn't that the third one? Yeah, there's ESPN News. It wasn't even on that. It was on ESPN 3 online one year. Ugh, ouch. That, that's brutal. Yeah. Because of fucking Wimbledon. Who – that – Probably a lot of people, but who that uh, listens to our show cares more about Wimbledon than the hot dog eating contest? I only, I only had one friend growing up that was, like, really into tennis, and it's because he himself was very into tennis. Like, he was, like, played competitively, almost went to college for it, so he was, like, very into the pro circuit. But I didn't know anybody who, like, didn't have a tennis racket, didn't like, that cared about pro tennis. It's not something I follow. Yeah, I've done security at the U.S. Open um, for – well, my security company officially doesn't have the contract anymore, so I could talk all about the U.S. Open now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I still work for that company, so I don't want to bury myself too much, but I can talk shit about all these uh, – this is just going to get sound really racist if I'm talking about all the people from other countries coming in and all the annoying things they do. There's no way to talk about it without it sounding racist. Yeah, I, but you're going to anyway, I guess, huh? <laughs> Probably, yes. All these fucking Spaniards and Frenchmen. <laughs> uh, so it's not even – it's like it's like Euro people. It's like the Western yeah. European people coming in to watch it there that are giving you grief. No, if still, an American – allowed if to crap yeah, if on Ameri them. <laughs> Yeah, if an American black guy is there, it's a godsend. As long as it's not some, like, fucking Swedish person who's there for the... Because for the first time ever, a Swedish tennis player is in the U.S. Open. 
Oh, so they're making their trip out to Queens for the first time ever, and they're just in the way. Yeah, I remember one time before the U- uh, before the grounds opened, there was a family from France that came and was trying to get on the grounds, and we had to tell them the grounds are closed until the event starts. And uh, as soon as we told them they couldn't come in, they kind of turned around and huddle up with each other. Like they're almost trying to come up with a game plan for what to say. And then they turn back around, and they say... But we are French. <laughs> that was that was it. That was the play. They huddled and decided we're going to tell them that we're French, and then they'll let us in. <laughs> I like that there was conference before that became the plan. Like somebody was like, "No, we we should yeah we should tell them that we have money," and they're like, "No, no, no, no. They, everyone has money. This is America. We should tell them that we're yeah. French. Set us ourselves apart." <laughs> Everybody else is like, "Good, like it's Family Feud. They're all just like, good answer, good answer, like behind them." Yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah, I grew up around a ton of sports fans, and uh, there's a pool club in my neighborhood that has a tennis court that kids would play at sometimes. But for the most part, I didn't know anyone who was like, my sport is tennis. Mm-hmm. I've, I've played tennis once, I think. No, maybe two or three times. I'm not particularly great at it because I've only done it two or three times. So playing with people who were kind of good at it was frustrating. My dad and my sister would play tennis together a lot, and I'd play golf with him. So he does both, and he, she kind of gravitated towards tennis, mm. and I picked up golf clubs. So I played golf tons and yeah. tons of times, but I've only played tennis like once or twice. Yeah, one semester in my high school, uh, there was like, uh, after your sophomore year, your gym class was specified, so you were in a specific type of gym. So like one one semester I was in a lacrosse gym, and then one semester I was in tennis gym, and then my whole senior year it was weight training. But I remember the tennis gym year, I just kept getting in trouble because I kept trying to hit it as far as I could because I like baseball more than tennis, and I kept knocking them out of the court. Well, that's I wasn't even trying to do that. I was just in, like sincerely only had ever played little league, so like I see the thing and I freaking connect as far as I can. We were in a uh, like this place in arizona my grandparents took a bunch of us like out there for one of their anniversaries it was some golf and tennis resort in arizona and i remember i freaking launched this thing and it went up out of the court and onto a restaurant on a deck that like overlooked the whole thing i was like mortified that was like the end of tennis Oh, you were mortified. I was thrilled. I would hit it well, out and everyone would be like, what the fuck, man? I was like, I hit a home run. Well, everybody, I mean, I'm with my family and I just hit this tennis ball into a fancy restaurant. And everyone's yelling at me. Like, oh, it was, okay. like, wasn't <laughs> as fun. They were like, what did you do? I'm like, I don't know. I hit the ball. It went really far. And it's good in almost every other sport. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a tennis player, I guess is what we're, uh, we're getting at there. What's the most yeah. hot dogs you think you could eat in one sitting if you got 10 minutes? 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs as I could. I think I could get 10 to 15. I think I could too, but not without any, like, it would be painful. It would be a very unpleasant experience. Yeah. The, the following 30 minutes would be, I'd throw up for sure. Yeah, eventually I would. I think I'd be able to hold it in there, but then later I would probably end up throwing up. I wonder, like, but I, if they consider, like, weed or booze performance enhancing as far as scarfing hot dogs in 10 minutes. <laughs> Honestly, I think all the people in Major League Eating could be doing steroids, and they would – I doubt that they test. No, I mean, like, steroids. Who wants to be all strong for that? I mean, give yourself a little munch because I know the hard – the times that I've eaten the most, like, ridiculous McDonald's food, I've been freaking drunk – 
So I wonder yeah. like, if they, if they let if someone just gets really high to give themselves the munchies before the hot dog eating contest. Yeah, exactly. Like don't eat for twenty four hours. Just smoke a huge blunt and then get up on the stage and just freaking munch. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's is having, illegal. Is having the munchies illegal in major league <laughs> eating? I don't know, but that's, these are the questions that people need to be asking. Yeah, that's how you learn things. You know, you, you put them out there. You ask. Also, I would love like. I know the idea is to just eat them as quick as possible, but I've always, like, the idea of eating just a bare hot dog is unpleasant to me. It's just like, oh, fuck, like, put put some shit on it, some, like, bacon bits and, like, mustard, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, when you're when they're eating competitively, it has nothing to do with the taste <laughs> with of it in any way. Yeah, I, I know, but it's just watching it. It's just like, oh, it's like, this is the most unpleasant way to eat this food in its most unpleasant form. Just, like, soggy. Yeah. <laughs> flying down your no, face. No, they cook. I mean, they are at least cooked. Well, they're cooked, but all hot dogs are Like, when you buy hot dogs at this store, they're already cooked. You're just sort of heating them up. Well, I mean, I mean, there are... You can't get raw hot dogs. You have to get them, like, from a specific... Like, if you go get, like, Oscar Mayer hot dogs and they're in that, like, pack of eight, those are already cooked and, like, re-sealed re back up. You're just heating those up when you cook those. Like, you could feasibly just open the package and start eating them and you wouldn't get sick. It wouldn't be tasty. But like, I don't know why that seems more gross to me than eating seventy-five warm ones. <laughs> Just going to eating work. one cold hot dog seems worse than eating seventy-five hot ones. <laughs> just going to Target, like ripping open the bag and just like pulling this wet thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's an unpleasant thought for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, the highlight of my week. Probably maybe the only live sport we had this week. But there was big sports news outside of just that. There was. There was actually a lot of different. I mean, it, it, most like the umbrella story beyond the hot dog contest is just people are still inching their way back towards sports. But before we dive into that, just while we're talking about food, some uh, a uh, an athlete on Twitter said something that I found absurd. This week, and I'd I'd just like to hear if you have any insight on this. Dexter Fowler, uh, okay, claimed I haven't heard about this. Claimed where where do you think in America has the best pizza? New York. I mean, I'm I'm biased. I live in New York, but I think it's New York. And then I can see maybe someone saying Chicago if they like deep dish pizza. Some people are retarded. I get it. The the those are the two cities that I would have came up with. Dexter Fowler claims far and away St. Louis. Okay. Big problem with this because I've had pizza in St. Louis specifically, <laughs> and it specifically made me realize, oh my God, not all pizza is good. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I brought this up then. <laughs> uh, when I was in college, I was with the community service club, and we had a convention in uh, at Washington University in St. Louis, and... Maybe I just had the worst pizza in St. Louis, but it tasted like a cheese-like substance on a piece of cardboard. Was uh, but even still, the worst pizza you will have in New York is nowhere near that bad. Was it like, um, like Papa John's Domino's style? Or like no, those actually, when you're biting into something, you actually feel something relatively soft, at least. Oh, like it, it, it registers as food in your mouth, at least? <laughs> like Domino's? Yeah. <laughs> no, this was, I swear, it was like cardboard with like <laughs> frozen, like cheese that had been out so long that it wasn't even like cheese anymore. Oh, that does, I mean, it sounds terrible. But the, the, the idea that places can have like truly, truly terrible pizza blows my mind because like some of the nicer pizza places places can like freeze them and like frozen pizza from the grocery store isn't 
great, but it's not like inedible. It's like you figure if like you could buy a passable pizza at any grocery store, yeah. most places should be able well, to make a decent one. Yeah, you can get Elio's pizza from the frozen food department at a stop and shop, and it'll be better than what I had in St. Louis. <laughs> that's that's just sad. That's just like a blatant but lack also, of effort. I will I will give them. Maybe I had the worst pizza in St. Louis. It's still way worse than the worst pizza you'll ever have in New York. <laughs> You're gonna have to reach out to Dexter Fowler and ask him, like, hey, where exactly, like, where near Bush Stadium is this good pizza that yeah. you know about? That's a that's the look. To be fair, I've never had the best pizza in St. Louis, so maybe the best <laughs> pizza in St. Louis is better than the best pizza in New York. I can't speak to that, but. My one experience with pizza in St. Louis was like, when you brought up Dexter Fowler, I was like, say anything but St. Louis. (laughs) He's also, Dexter Fowler, okay, he was the leadoff hitter for the Cubs, and did he play for the Cardinals after or before the Cubs? I believe after, but I'm not, I wouldn't bet on that. I think so too, and I know St. Louis and Chicago hate each other, and he's probably mad that he won a World Series with the Cubs, and then they let him go, then he went to St. Louis, and he's just saying this to piss off Chicago. Maybe. You think it, he think it's that calculated? He's like, I know exactly what's good. He's also like, St. Louis has a better improv scene, and we have, like, I don't know who else, what does Chicago else yeah. have? Like, Oprah and Kanye? Like, St. Louis doesn't? Yeah, I think, not that he's, like, diabolical. I think he's just kind of, like, had some good pizza and say... I'm going to say this is the best pizza ever because he knows it'll piss off people from Chicago and random people on podcasts like me. <laughs> hey, he he did his job then if that's what it was about. But that was just like a fun little aside I had written down this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like we were saying, big, big umbrella stories. Things are inching closer together as of like an hour before we started recording the full schedules for baseball got released. Yeah, I saw. I know it's going to be opening with opening day is Yankees Nationals, and pretty much all the teams are going to just play within their regions. Like the NL West is playing NL West teams and AL West teams. Yep. The uh, the the big the notes. I mean, is for the Yankees. I think one of the cooler things that got in our schedule is they get to finish with a home game series against the Marlins, which is awesome. In case there's some kind of you know push to get into the playoffs, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then the other opening day game is also uh, Giants-Dodgers, which is a pretty cool game. Yeah. Now, I'm excited to be seeing live baseball. A lot of players have been dropping out and not playing. I know David Price is out. Um, Ian Desmond is out. Um, Mike Trout saying he's unsure. You know we'll that— We'll see if— I don't think yeah. that Mike Trout necessarily wants to be there, but I think he has something in his head that's like— Sure, he's impossibly rich and all this different stuff, but, like, maybe they have him in some kind of, like, hey, you're our guy. Like, the the league is really pressuring him to play because they're like, if you go, it fucks it up for so many of us. Like, we could give a shit if David Price plays or not, but, like, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, like, the, these are important people to have on the field in terms of marketability right now. Like, which that's the whole thing they've been saying they want is expand the game, get stars, marketability. If Trout... Bails. I think it opens the door for more people to bail, higher profile people to bail. I think there's something going on with the Angels in the league right now where they're basically begging him. They're like, we know that you're a, you have a king's ransom, but we'll give you more. Like, what, what do we have to do yeah. to keep you? I don't know if it's necessarily the league telling Mike Trout that as much as he knows that. He knows if he drops out, it hurts other players, his teammates. Like, he probably... 
even if he's feeling uncomfortable about it, he knows if he doesn't that his not playing carries more weight than a lot of others. Exactly. Well, and it's it's like parallel to basketball. It'd be kind of like if LeBron was out there being like, "Well, I don't think this is a good idea." It's like when Kyrie does it, everybody's yeah. like, "Okay, well, all right, Kyrie's going off again." But if LeBron started talking like that, there'd be a yeah. lot more media coverage, a lot more real fear about whether this is going to happen or not. So yeah, I think yeah, you're probably right. But, he probably does have that sense of like duty about himself, where he's like, I, I have to do this. I'm the ambassador of the game, basically. Yeah, and uh, well, also with Mike Trout, he may not be the highest paid athlete in all of sports anymore. He has way higher guaranteed money. Okay, because you're but alluding to Patrick wise, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes yeah. today signs a ten year, four hundred and fifty million dollar deal. It's the biggest deal in NFL history by far. Biggest deal in any sport outside of baseball, for sure. It's, I love putting the word only in front of stuff like this, but only 120 of that is guaranteed. That's like yeah. if he gets injured tomorrow and he never plays again, that's what he gets. And uh, Yeah, but it's a 10-year deal in the NFL is unheard of. They must – I mean, if you're the Chiefs, if you're a Chiefs fan, how many Super Bowls does he have to win for that to – like be like, yep, that was worth doing. If you're a Chiefs fan or a, as a Chiefs fan, you probably want more than one. But I remember this when the Yankees signed A Rod, or in the baseball when they talk about these big contracts. The truth is, if you win one World Series, you make up for it with marketing, with tickets, with everything. One World Series covers one of these big giant contracts. Hmm. So, but if you're a Chiefs fan, you're probably looking for three. I would say if you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, you're thinking we're going to have the next dynasty. Would you think the biggest contract ever? It's like, all right, we should be the best team ever then. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm, I, that all sounds right, makes sense to me. He's probably – how would he even celebrate something like that? Like what, what's your next move? Do you go high key or do you go low key? Because I think everybody's first thought would be like, oh, I'll go to like Vegas, ball out. I think I'd try to like keep it simple. I'd try to like stay grounded. I think I'd get like – a root beer and put on like my favorite episode of the Simpsons and just take 20 minutes to realize that like, I fucking did it. I fucking achieved everything. Yeah. I just, I would just chill. Yeah. I I wouldn't chill for very long. There'd be a lot of yelling and screaming and throwing things and renting out places to just tell people to fuck themselves. I'd I'd probably, I'd probably start trying cocaine. Yeah. You're going to lend bias yourself. You're going to make it and then immediately (laughs) go out. I said start. I said start (laughs) trying, you know. That was his whole thing. He did it one time. Out. Yeah, but look at Daryl Strawberry. Oh, that's what you want? <laughs> you're going to start that cycle? You're going to go on this wild ride I'm just of saying, divorces you're saying, and you're saying preaching? I'm gonna be, you're saying I'm going to be Len Bias and die first time out. I'm saying I could be fuck, I could be Michael Irvin. I could be a Hall of Famer. That, I could be Lawrence Taylor. Why are you being so negative? I don't know. That's always the like uh, scared straight guy they'd bring up, like parents or like coaches or whatever. It's like, don't you go out partying. Otherwise, they're going to be like Len Bias. Yeah. I hope no kids are listening to me because, like, the par- things those parents are telling you are the better advice than what I'm giving you. <laughs> parents like, hey, one time and it could go all wrong. And I'm like, fuck that. You're going to be the next Lawrence Taylor. The problem with that, though, is if you do get a first time, there's no guy who died the second time he did it. It's either the first time or way down the fucking line. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the 
Go out and try cocaine, and if you don't die, you're good. You're one of those people. You're you're one of those Ozzy Osbournes that can just go forever. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) Uh, That's a uh, nice. uh, Do you think the Chiefs are still be by the time Patrick Mahomes' contract is up, they'll still be called the Chiefs? Or is it just going to have had the Redskins and Indians and then we're done? That's a great question and a great transition. I have no idea. I didn't even think about that. I bet they are still. I bet they're going to eh, – I don't know. That's going to – Yeah, Chiefs is tough. And they play in Arrowhead Stadium. So it's no question of what type of Chief it's about. That one I think you can get rid of a little easier because you could just – be like, oh shit, we gotta we gotta pay for this contract. Like, <laughs> Pepsi, do you want to like buy our naming rights or whoever doesn't have a stadium right now? And then... maybe. Uh, well, before we get off the Mahomes thing quickly, I mentioned to you before we went on the air. This is pretty funny. I saw one person on Twitter. I retweeted it. Bobby Bonilla will still be getting paid for four more years after Patrick Mahomes' deal is up. That's unbelievable. It's that guy is one of the biggest winners of all time. It, like he, he's yeah. got to be just one of the my favorite people in the world. Just killed it. And the best, the best thing about that is uh, the deal was made because Fred Wilpon, uh, he's like, yeah, sure, we'll pay you with this interest because he had a private investment with Bernie Madoff that was going to be paying out a higher insurance rate. So he was going to be making way more money than Bobby Bonilla was ever going to be owed. But then that whole Ponzi scheme fell, and now they just have to, like, it comes out of the Mets' budget, and they're not making... I mean, maybe there's another Ponzi scheme going on they're making money from. But it's so funny to me that they were counting on Bernie Madoff to make the, help this deal be an easy, like... No question about it. Agree to this deal. And uh, then that whole thing. It's the most Mets story you'll ever hear. Yeah. That's some real tortoise in the hair stuff. He, he, yeah. he just He's just slow and steady. Now he's, <laughs> he's the rich man. Um, the other cool thing about but, the, yeah, the Oh, Patrick uh, Mahomes. I saw just like a fun little breakdown of that. Like for the next 10 years, he's going to be paid about $31,000 a day. Which breaks down to for the next 10 years he's going to be getting about eight dollars and 60 cents a minute jesus yeah that's insane he literally doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to for the rest of his life if he plays his cards right yeah yeah uh but yeah we were going to talk about the indians and the redskins now the indians had gotten rid of the chief wahoo logo a few years ago um, but apparently you can still buy it. I've seen people posting pictures of, like, Models and Dick's Sporting Goods where it's still there. But now the Redskins officially are undergoing an internal review about the name, which to me means they're going to change it. Well, yeah. Because there's been controversy forever, and they've never announced that they're actually going to review it like this. Multiple ownership partners want out. They want... Dan Snyder, he's the guy that, like, is the majority owner of the Redskins, right? Three of his partners want out completely. 40% of the ownership wants gone if they don't change this. My whole, my thing about this, yeah, it should be changed. It's not really any take about that. My thing is, fuck you, FedEx. FedEx has owned the naming rights of that stadium for not forever right like it hasn't been that long they knew exactly what the team's name was when they bought the thing and now they're the ones that are going to take this whole stance like this is unacceptable and we no longer want to have our name on this stadium it's like what what happened in the last 
Well, it's honestly, it's the domino effect of the Black Lives Matter protests. It's everything you see in Hollywood and every corporation is all of a sudden now saying we're going to take a stand and we're going to do something. And then they're just going to take credit for things. It's every single social thing that happens, advancement in this country that happens, is the people deciding we are now in favor of gay marriage. And then as soon as it reaches 51% approval... The president and every corporation is like, yeah, we love gay people. And if you don't, you're horrible. They just act like they've been there the whole time. It's never corporations. It's never Hollywood. It's never politicians. It's always the people. Yeah. Once the people have decided we don't like it, they'll be like, yes, I'm now make FedEx is now all of a sudden saying they have a problem with it. It's bullshit. Yeah. You remember th- this was this year's. Remember last June? I remember walking around seeing all the signs that were like, Happy Pride sponsored by Chase Bank. It's like what the, yeah. what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. That's not anything. As far as the new name, I've heard uh I've heard two different ones floating around for Washington. I've heard uh, Roughnecks and I've heard Generals a couple times. Generals, Washington Generals, isn't that the team that always yes. loses to the Harlem Globetrotters? Which is the first thing I said too. That name is synonymous with losing. But the Washington, yeah, they, the New York, the, the New York Jets should make that their name. <laughs> yeah, the, the Washington Generals, the the fake basketball team, actually did reach out and they've offered to sell them the name. Oh yeah, if I was them, I'd do that. That's that yeah. sounds like you'd probably get a good deal. Yeah, you'd probably make more money than they've ever made losing to the Globetrotters. <laughs> Yeah, the Roughnecks seems like a. It's this. There's an XFL team name, which, of course, the XFL. I we knew it was going to impact the NFL some way. Yeah, I don't. It, Washington is tough because, like, you don't want to be like the politicians. You can't be the bullets anymore. That doesn't have like a good look. Yeah, what? it would be fun if they just came out with a bunch of suggestions and it was all like other racist things. Well, that's gonna be what ends up happening because one of the things I saw is they're gonna try to like let the people decide, and that has never worked ever. Oh, the people are like, all right. Uh, so we uh, we uh, we asked the people, and uh, we came down to it's either going to be the Washington slant eyes, the Washington colored people, or the Washington money grubbing Jews. What's it gonna be, guys? <laughs> yeah, because they just put out some poll. It'll be like. Like when Mountain Dew tries to like make a new flavor and then like all the top results are like diarrhea because people just <laughs> are like <laughs> terrible about <laughs> just being helpful people. Uh, well, most teams got their names by like fan writing things and fan votes a lot of times, but that was before trolling became that popular. But it is fun if you look back on some of the things uh, – I can't think of any off top. I think like the Phoenix Suns were almost the Phoenix Cacti or something like that. There's some real weird ones if you look up what some teams almost were. Huh. I've never heard of the Cacti. That's that should, that would be like a fun one to go back through. We should we should do that one of these episodes and start going back through the lineage and names. Yeah, definitely. That'd be a lot of fun in every sport. There's a lo- yeah. There's definitely a lot of really weird ones. And then it well, and Cleveland. It sounds like spiders. Going back to being the spiders is going to be the top choice. Yeah, they were the spiders before they were the Indians, like in the early 1900s, and that's fine for a team name. Like, at what point? I guess to me. If you're just asking me without knowing that they'd been the Indians, if I'm going to name a team the Spiders or the Indians, Spiders is a better name, objectively. At what point in time was Indians a better name? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess 
I, I, I don't know. There's no defense for it, really. I think one of the hardest things that they're going to end up having to deal with is, like, they are going to have to, like, really rebrand. And then all these people that are fans of Cleveland baseball are going to have all this old gear, all this old stuff. I'm sure it's going to be really... It's kind of like how we still say Devil Rays. Like, they're going to have to really make something different mm-hmm. happen to get people to stop. I'll probably I'll probably get a, a Cleveland Indians throwback jersey just because it'll be a cool thing to have. Yeah, it'll it'll not necessarily with Chief Wahoo, just like it'd be cool to have an old like Albert Bell jersey that says Cleveland on it, but like the old Cleveland logo of what will eventually be the old Cleveland. Maybe not Albert Bell, the guy who's like what you like hit people with a bat or something. He was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, somebody else, Grady Sizemore or something. <laughs> Grady Sizemore, there's a name. <laughs> Oh jeez, so, Travis Travis Hafner. I would be try if I was them. I'd try to like really embrace the whole spider thing. I'll be like, we're, we're the spiders now. We're gonna get like Marvel to shoot the opening scene of Spider Man three, where like Spider Man's throwing out the first pitch <laughs> here. Like we're gonna lean so hard into the spider thing, and just try to like yeah. make sure nobody like gives us shit anymore. Because it, it must suck to be on the team to like constantly be like. And someone's like, oh, I play professional baseball. And they're like, oh, for who? And it's like, you know, the Cleveland, Cleveland. I play for Cleveland. <laughs> like, and it just like, tear off. <laughs> well, at least it's it's not as bad as Redskins, to be fair. I don't, I, people keep saying that. And I've heard both sides of that, where someone's like, well, you know, Redskins not anywhere near as bad as just saying Indian. And like the other side's like, what's the power rankings of like how bad these things are? It's probably should all just go. <laughs> Um, well, so there is, like, the legitimate term American Indian was used in a non-insulting way. Uh, I don't – you can call a Native American an American Indian. You may be factually incorrect. And they'll be that, pissed, that, too. That, they don't they, like that at all. <laughs> but you uh, – calling them a redskin I think is worse. I It'd be one of those things where, like, you're you're wrong either way. So, like, having, forcing this other we person are to, two, like, decide how wrong – two... Anthony, we are two white people. We what we say goes on this. I went to the museum that one time. You know, down by Battery Park, there's the the whole museum of the Native American people. I did that for work. No, I once. didn't know that. I, I used to tour. I used to do uh, tourism for New York when that was still legal. Oh and, uh, right, that yeah. big old bank building that's right by Battery Park is a Native American yeah. museum that's totally free. So if you're ever in the lowest part of Manhattan, mm. you can kill some time for free. I want if you're giving a tour, it's like, hey, if you guys are a fan of the Washington Redskins, you guys should go to this museum right over here. Well, you know what's funny is on the side of that museum, it actually still does say the National Museum of the American Indian like three, four times, and people will protest outside it sometimes. Yeah, but it would. Yeah, it wouldn't say Redskin. No, it, it, so you know what? I guess so, because it doesn't say that on the thing. One is one is a slur and one is just wrong. So I, yes. <laughs> I guess that I, we – all right. You know what? I've come around on this. <laughs> Honestly, the worst, thing, the worst thing that's ever happened to the American Indian is Robert Griffin III being his boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it, he might not even. He might have one of those like weird second acts where he ends up, like, doing something for somebody else because he does not want to be a backup. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he just got hurt and then kind of everything just went away. But that first year is still one of the best first years for a quarterback that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, he was exciting. He was a – I'm sure he was annoying for both of us but with our allegiances. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, uh, your uh, football allegiance, did you see that interview Ezekiel Elliott gave this week? (laughs) 
No, I didn't. I've been focusing more on baseball stuff. So I guess I, I mean, I'm still keeping up with everything, but I didn't know. I don't know specifically what you're talking about. Ezekiel Elliott was talking, and he kind of gets distracted for a second, forgets where he is, and just goes, "Oh, sorry, I'm low key faded," and then just starts trying to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> he just tried. He was to... getting ready for the hot dog eating contest. Ex- oh, exactly. And he just tried to power through the rest of the interview, but he just like accidentally just admitted like he was faded on TV, and it made me laugh so hard. It's a great clip if yeah. anybody wants to uh, look that up and check it out. Um, huh. Let's see. What else do we got here? Here's just like a little fun football thing before we go back to uh, baseball. Did you know that the 1970s Steelers were able to keep all 10 of their Hall of Famers through their Super Bowl runs? All four? Yeah, to all four. It's in some ways you look back at stuff like that in uh, in all sports where you're able to keep players more and it's like man i really missed an era where you were able to have all these players on a team consistently but then you realize like that meant that they weren't getting paid what they deserved mm-hmm. to get paid yeah it was because it's like what free agency hadn't been invented what, yet yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like what kind of world do you want do you, like in some ways, I would like a world where I get to watch the same team play uh, for that long together. But I also don't want – if one of them gets injured and never plays again and didn't get the big money they probably deserved, I don't want that either. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a fair case. When I first read that, I thought, that's amazing. Like, wow, Pittsburgh has this amazing player retention. And then, yeah, you start to, like, learn a little bit more about that other stuff. And it starts to get a little weirder. But I just thought that was a cool fun fact. They kept all ten – through all four. Like, no one even got, like, hurt or left and retired or whatever. All ten Hall yeah. of Famers made it. Um, well, because just throughout my lifetime, whenever there's been labor disputes or contract or anything like that, it's just I hate the owners of every sport pretty much so much <laughs> that I would root against, uh, like, the idea of, like, these players not getting to stay. It's like, good, don't stay together. Fuck these owners. Let the, If they want, they want to stay together, have the owners pay you. That is, in, I will say one thing, there being a salary, like, no salary cap in baseball leads to a team being able to keep guys together and paying them. Mm. So if it, that is an advantage of not having a salary cap like other sports do. So... If anything, I I kind of would like there to be no salary cap just so you can keep guys together if you can afford them. And then also somebody's like, well, it just uh, disproportionately affects small market teams. I'm like, okay, maybe don't have a hockey team in Nashville or Florida if you're going to complain about not making as much money. <laughs> that is fair. That's, yeah, true. Phoenix, same same idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that one. I, I, yeah. I, I like... Uh, I like when the teams stay kind of the same. Although it's always fun to see somebody make a big switch when it's not directly kind of affecting you. Like watching bets go Boston to LA. Ooh, I want to see Mookie play as a Dodger so badly. Yeah, even it's always it's exciting um, when big deals. Like even Bryce Harper going to Philly was fun to see. That one was weird because it barely felt like he went anywhere. Like Washington and Philly are like both in the same division, same part of the country, even have the same color scheme. Like it, yeah, but it was fun to see him leave a team that goes on to win the World Series the year after he leaves. Yeah, and I, oh, that was pain. Uh, just especially with the personality that he has, that is hilarious. And but I think the yeah. Phillies have a chance to put together something big soon. I don't know if it's this year. Signing uh, Real Muto is going to be a big 
factor for them. I know a lot of the players are clamoring for it, and they haven't gotten the deal done yet, but they have a good team. Yeah. Well, a couple weeks ago when we started to make baseball predictions before we hedged our bets on all of them and said we don't really know what we're talking about because no one does because it's a shortened season, Philly was one of the teams I had picked as either a, as a wild card or a team that could surprise because – Aaron Nola is still a legitimate ace and a Cy Young candidate. Um, they got a lot of young pitchers, and between Bryce Harper, Real Muto, John, Gene Segura, they, they've they got a lot of really talented players on that. And Didi Gregorius now is there. Yeah, and I'll be a, a fan of his forever. Like, as, as soon as it's he's not going to be in New York's way, I'm going to root for Didi's success. I would love for Didi yeah. Gregorius to, like, get a ring at some point. He's a, just an awesome dude. Fantastic player yeah. to watch. And also, um, right before we started recording, the um, well, actually it happened, I think, yesterday, you said, Andrew McCutcheon threw some shade at the Yankees' hair policy, which I'm a Yankees fan, and I'm 100% with Andrew McCutcheon on this. And we totally disagree about this. I think that it's fine to be like, we... This is because it's an attainable look for anybody. It's not it's not like ableist or it's not like racist in this way. That's like we're doing this because we want you to like look this. It's just like this is how we are. It'd be like it's like the army. It's just sort of like. Right, a, not a, yeah, if, if we're ableist or racist, I would probably be in favor of it. That's not my problem. Yeah, I, I, but it, it's more <laughs> – no, your thing is you just want to have long hair and no sleeves. Right? <laughs> you, 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 I've uh, – I've, well, so McCutcheon just said it strips guys of their individuality, saying that everyone has to have short hair. And it's like, I I just, I don't care. And I don't like anyone making a rule that doesn't affect anything just to, it's one of those things like, follow our rules because you're following our rules. It's a power move. It and is. I fucking it, hate that. It's like, but it's also when team, a teacher in school told me to do building. something that didn't help if a teacher at school told me to do something that didn't actually help the class or help in any way, and they were just doing it to assert their power, fuck them. I, it's squad building. Because you're not, he's like, oh, I can't be an individual. Well, guess what? You're not Andrew McCutcheon right now. You're a, you're the left fielder for the New York Yankees. And this this is what we look like. You're a Yankee. You can leave. No one you, says so you have to you, come yes, here. You, you wear the uniform that everyone else And that's does. part of but it. you don't have to look the same. You don't have to not have a beard. You can have, like, a mustache if you want, which is, like, a really weird concession because I guess mustaches were so gentlemanly so uh, at some point. So you're – okay, so you're allowed to be gay, but that's not what we're talking about. But I'm fine with it. It's just one of those things where it's just, like, if, if it's – if you're – if that is such an integral part of who you are, play somewhere else. I don't care. <laughs> not – there are – you're allowed to do it, yes, but it's retarded. In today's day and age – just like office people in offices have sleeve tattoos now. It's a different world than it was in the fifties. Yeah, but you're not allowed to like walk into an office with like your sleeves cut off of your suit because it's just show off your tattoos. We're not talking about where well actually the Cincinnati Reds and some teams have been wearing sleeveless jerseys, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having a beard. Not even a crazy straggly Brian Wilson beard. I mean like Thurman Munson would get shit from George Steinbrenner for his mustache beard combination have you ever seen the simpsons where mr burns starts replacing the company softball team with major leaguers yeah <laughs> he's yelling at mattingly about his sideburns about. <laughs> mattingly trim those yeah. sideburns and eventually they're all the way up to the top of his head and he's still getting yeah. screamed at about it <laughs> like i don't think johnny damon should have had to cut his hair and shave when he came to the end oh i think that was the most important one that's ever happened because that was him sh uh, shaving off his bostonness that was him 
<laughs> cleansing himself of the dirty Boston energy that was trapped in the oils of his face. He, he was able to... It was like a cleansing process. That was like baptismal getting his hair removed. You know what? If he if he kept his hair and beard and hit a home run for us that won us a game, you wouldn't have cared. Ah, uh, mm, it took me a long time to accept. The The thing that really turned me around on Johnny Damon was I saw him put on a friggin' fireworks show in Fenway as a Yankee and watching their just, just how much that crushed those people, that was what turned me around on him. I was like, all right, fine, you're a real one. You went right back there now, and crushed him. If he had done th- if he had done that with long hair and a beard, would you still have hated him? It wouldn't have been as, like... To me, it was much easier to start thinking of him as a completely different person after that. He's the one that's like, I don't know if that was the example to bring up. (laughs) Kevin Kevin Euclid, making that poor man, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Kevin Euclid looked like a fat baby. The second they made yeah. him trim his, there his beard, they did him dirty. But I also like that one because fuck Kevin Euclid. <laughs> so, well, I have to think of an example of someone who's not a Red Sox. I just, I think it's only a power play. It's only, there is no actual reason for doing it besides, haha, we get you to do this now and you're one of us. Team building. It's a one of us. Uh, it's a fraternity hazing type thing. Which all of them do for team building. <laughs> well, for, for turn... Okay, that's a bad example because I actually don't mind hazing. Um, and it's not really hazing. It's one of those things like when you say we do it for brotherhood, you can do a lot of things that don't permanently change it. Shaving off someone's hair on a flight as a prank is one thing. But you can't play unless you look a certain way. It's 2020. But this isn't one of those things where it's like, it it, look a certain way is like, that would have used to have meant like, it'd be, I'd be against it if they were like, oh, you have to be like between 6'2 and 6'5. You have to have like this nationality or skin. Like all of that would be terrible. This is the, the reason I don't have a problem with it is it's something that's very doable. They're just asking you to like, but it doesn't affect your play at all, but it might affect it's, it's affects the vibe of the team. They're trying to create a culture. That's like being here is special. You have to like go above and beyond. You have to, if a black person has dreadlocks and comes to your team and does and cut them it will affect the team building well i negatively if somebody's gonna really start being like well this is horrible and you're gonna like but it's just sort of like well i don't know just don't make them do it i've never i just don't understand don't make them say it's horrible who fucking cares cut your fucking hair <laughs> it's like who oh i'm a little baby who loves my who hair ca- hold on hold on no 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 same thing who cares let them have the hair because that's not Don't how make a choice either way. The idea is they all look the same. You can't force the rest of them to grow beards or long hair. So this is the standard animation. No, no, but not everyone has to look the same in anything. If a guy comes to the Yankees with dreadlocks and you're saying you have to cut it so we all look the same, you're being the baby. No, it's, that's just team culture. That's just part of it. The idea of it is team building. It's just... it's Name a single other team in professional sports that has that. That's the idea. We're, you, oh, come on. That's the, that's the idea. When you're here, it's special. It's not like being on any of the other teams. You are wearing pinstripes Yeah, now. I think long, I think long, well, when the Oakland Athletics in the 70s all grew their hair long and had beards, it was special too. Yeah. And they all just did it as, but they chose to do it. The team didn't make them. That's fine. They did it as a team. That's what made them a team is that they chose to do it. Not a guy who's been dead for 10 years and fifty bought the team 50 years ago. We will never, ever agree on this. I'm just telling you right now. because You will never be right on this. You're, no, and same to you, friend. 
because it is totally fine with me. We also have our biases because can if I want to. I used to have long hair, and and you and you can't. <laughs> couldn't if I wanted to. I think people who spend all their time worrying about their hair are dummies because I don't have any, and I've never thought about my hair in years. Well, just because I, well, just because I had long hair didn't mean I like spent time taking care of it. Let's not get confused here. That, that's no, like that's that's like the like people that are like, oh, I have ten thousand dollars worth of hair products in my thing, and I have to like spend an hour every day doing this. It's just like, oh my god, read a book, get a fucking personality. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's uh, so that's that. We had our are back and forth about that. Uh, <laughs> Dallas football club completely dropped out of the MLS today. I didn't hear about that. Be- I'm sorry. I'm not up to date with MLS news. It's because of COVID They're, they They had too many players test positive and they just decided they, as an organization, aren't going to take part in the restart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people are, 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 de- are there a lot of people devastated by this news? <laughs> Sorry, there's any MLS fans listening. I think more on the West Coast. I think the MLS yeah. is a lot bigger on the West side of the country. It's getting bigger every year, though. If you look at the numbers of like ticket sales, not necessarily TV, but people are paying more and more attention to it every single year. I think in a couple of years you might start to see a bigger following of it, especially as kids play more soccer than football in high schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess we can get to this. So last week I brought up uh, G- my uh, Hall of Fame case for John Olerud. Not even necessarily that I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but that he was dropped off like on one of the first – he dropped off quickly and no one ever really thinks of him as being as great as he is. And that kind of led me on a bit of a uh, wormhole where I was just thinking about other guys who – either dropped off on the first time they were on the ballot or that people don't really necessarily think about, but they were legendary players who at least deserve more Hall of Fame consideration than they got credit for. So this week I was uh, looking up, I put up a post on my Instagram, Facebook about uh, Jim Edmonds. Yes, you were talking a little bit about Jim Edmonds when you brought up the Olerud thing. You kind of previewed that like this, if you have a second guy to push in, it would be this one. So let's, let's lay it out because... You on social media are gaining... I saw a couple people get on your side about the Olerud thing. You posted it in the Comedians MLB group. Yeah, so honestly, I think Jim Edmonds has a better case than John Olerud. Jim Edmonds is the most spectacular defensive center fielder I've seen in my entire life. Um, I think by the numbers, Andrew Jones is the best defensive center fielder ever. And when you look at metrics and stuff, it's a little different. But as far as spectacular plays and also Jim Edmonds won like six seven or eight gold gloves something like that he's one he's a hall of fame defensive player I don't think anybody would doubt that and my big argument for guys like that is designated hitters are in the hall of fame now Edgar Martinez is in David Ortiz is probably going to get in if a designated hitter is in can be in the hall of fame somebody who's a hall of fame defender can be in the hall of fame even if they weren't a great offensive player yeah I'm totally fine with that I'm one of those people that's like I'm a, I think, was it you that posted on Facebook, like Big Hall or Little Hall? Like, what's your... Yeah, that was another one I posted in our private, like, baseball group for comedians. Are you big, yeah, there's two kinds of people, Big Hall or Little Hall? I lean big, for sure. I, I, so I, I'm all for these. Like, when you start laying them out there like that, I think that it should be a, 
instead of like i get the small hall argument where it's just like these are the most elite 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 people but having been to the baseball hall of fame and seeing how it's it is kind of like a big laid out museum i kind of like including the people that feel relevant to the history of the game and the history of the game is so vast and so um like lengthy it's you can go so in depth in so many different ways that people like that do have a place in it and a significant one so i'm i'm bigger hall type person and a couple things i want to say well one specifically about jim edmonds it's not like he was a bad offensive player or an offensive liability he was a like really threatening player in the middle of every lineup he played in there was one number um, where it's, uh, if you include his play, because he's, like, just short of a few milestones, but if you include his playoff numbers, he's got 400 career home runs, 500 career doubles, and 2,000 career hits. The only other outfielders to have those, Carlos Beltran, Willie Mays, um, Mickey Mantle, and Ken Griffey Jr., and Jim Edmonds. Yeah, it's, it's pretty um, good company. And that's... So if you already think he's a Hall of Fame defensive player, he's not far off from being a Hall of Fame offensive player as well. And also, as far as clutch and playoff moments go, which I do think when you're talking about Hall of Fame, and I think in baseball it sometimes doesn't get mentioned as much. Where like if you're a football player, if you're a quarterback and you don't have a Super Bowl, it's glaring. But if you're a baseball player who doesn't have a World Series, it's kind of like Ernie Banks is still a Hall of Famer. No one holds that against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like um, other... Jim Edmonds has a walk had a walk off home run in the NLCS in uh, extra innings. Uh, it was Game Six, I believe. Um, I think the car. I don't know. If the, and then the next day in Game Seven, he has a diving catch, saves the game. Uh, they lost that year, but the year after. Um, is when they win the World Series in St. Louis. He's a big part of that team. So, incredible postseason success. Uh, very, very good offensive player. Absolutely one of the best elite defenders. I More so than John Olerud, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And the other thing I was going to say about the big hall, little hall thing, uh, it's already a big hall. You can't really go back. And it's not like a thing... In the last few years, Harold Baines, Lee Smith, Andre Dawson. Going back to the 70s and 80s, they put in a guy like Louis Aparicio, one of the best players ever. Is he the same thing as Alex Rodriguez, Babe Ruth, uh, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays? No. So it's already been made a big haul by the writers a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Have you ever actually been to Cooperstown and walked through the museum? Yeah, I have. It's it's, It's such a cool place to be i haven't been since i was like maybe nine or ten years old i'd love to go back and like be able to appreciate it a little more yeah i do want to go again sometime soon uh for sure and uh the other thing i wanted to say i was look i saw this stat and this kind of surprised me um in 19 what it was uh 2000 versus the year 1930 in the year 1930 25% of all plate appearances in Major League Baseball were by people who ended up being in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) You Uh, send me that. In the year 2000, it's less than 5%. Now, granted, there's a lot more players and a lot more teams now, and a lot more games, a lot more plate appearances. But that number is still... a A quarter of the time you were watching someone at the plate, you were watching a Hall of Famer. The people who now you would consider... Uh, when they say you'll induct someone, they'll call it the Hall of Very Good. 
it's not the Hall of Very Good. As much as people shit on Harold Baines, Harold Baines was a great player. He's one season away from 3,000 hits. You're the like, one that craps just... on him the most, though. Every, every single time, huh? you're the one that craps on him the most at the end. <laughs> well, because when, when I bring up Hall of Fame argue, I'm not crapping on him. It's just he's the guy that everyone says if he's in, everybody should be in. And I don't necessarily like those arguments because you could do the opposite. You could say if this guy's not in, this guy shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. So, but Harold Baines always gets brought up as that guy. Um, I think he's a great player. I don't necessarily think I would say he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't think him being in ruins the whole thing and opens it up to Hall of Very Good. But a Harold Baines-level player in 1930 was elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, okay. Hall of Fame. Eh. I, I don't know. I the, don't know the, yeah. the, the back eras as well as you do. So, like, when I think of the Hall of Fame, it's, like, a lot of, like, if it's pre-1970, they have to be famous, famous for me to kind of know <laughs> who they're. Well, that, yeah, for you to know them. And that's what kind of sucks. There is, um, I think, uh, Bobby Gritch, who I'm assuming you may not have heard of. No. Bobby Gritch is a second baseman for the Orioles and the um, uh, Angels. He was on the Orioles when uh, him uh, Mark Belanger was their shortstop. And that double play combination, maybe the best double play combination of all time, Bobby Gritch's war numbers are higher than a lot of people who are in the Hall of Fame. Amazing defensively and pretty good offensively. He had a couple 30 home run years or close to one year 30, another one close to it as a second baseman back in the 70s where second baseman didn't hit more than 10 home runs in a year. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a recent development that second baseman can hit for power, too. That's like, that's within the last 10, 15 years that that started to become a thing. I remember when I first started playing fantasy baseball, that was like, I remember when Ricky Weeks was hitting all those home runs as a brewer. Yeah, That was huge. Ricky Weeks. If you had him in the second baseman slot, that was huge because he was one of the only second baseman producing power numbers at all that season. Yeah. But no, there's definitely a few guys who – they'll get voted in a lot of times by the Veterans Committee. That's – the writers generally a little more strict than the veterans vote someone in who they all played with. Now, like, this was definitely a Hall of Fame player that uh, I guess they, they'll sometimes – the ones like Harold Baines, Lee Smith, um, Phil Rizzuto, some of the ones who people are like, that guy shouldn't have gotten in maybe were usually Veterans Committee votes. But the baseball writers voted in Andre Dawson and Jim Rice, who I think are great players, but I would not say are the elite, elite, elite of all time. Well, the relationship the players have with each other is always so interesting to me, and it's something that you don't get to see too often, at least until pretty recently. Did you end up listening to uh, Walker Bueller on Theo Vaughn? I did. Hearing him talk about, like, getting to hit against Scherzer and stuff, like, that's, I just love that kind of stuff. Like, it's so interesting to hear how yeah. they view, like, just to, their age differences are so much so that, like, yeah, Scherzer was a star when this guy was 18 and in high school watching yeah. the pros every day. So it's like that, you forget those kind of things sometimes. So I, I get yeah. that the Veterans Committee would be the easier way to get in because they're the ones that know each other. Like, they know what to be looking for. They've seen it on the field. Like, they they probably know better than anybody. Yeah, and the writers also have their biases where, like, if somebody, oh. like, Barry Bonds might be in 
already if he wasn't uh, like a dick to the press. Oh yeah, for sure the writers definitely who, who holding grudges and being a small time writer go freaking hand in hand. So yeah. <laughs> Um, but while we, uh, I said I would do this earlier, while I was talking about Jim Edmonds, um, and while I was thinking about him, I started watching, uh, just a compilation of his best catches, and then I just started going on this, like, wormhole of watching all these, like, amazing catches that outfielders made, and I decided to make a top ten list of the ten best outfielder catches, um, so I'm not including, like, Derek Jeter's, uh, flying into the sand, David Wright's over-the-head bare hand one, and these are in my lifetime that I've seen. All these are ones I was re-watching today, but these are the ones that I remember watching at the time, and if you would ask me my top ten, these were ten that I would have thought of. So not Willie um, Mays. <laughs> so what? So, like, not the Willie Mays one, like... Not the Willie Mays one. Even the Ken Griffey Jr. broken wrist one, I was one years old when that happened. The Kevin Mitchell barehanded one is the craziest thing you'll ever see, maybe. Have you ever seen that one? Kevin Mitchell running in the outfield, catches a fly ball with his bare hand. No, I'm going to have to look that up. When It might be one of those things That's where I've seen wild. it in a compilation and I don't have the name right to it, but I'll have to look that up when this yeah. is over. Um, and this is also what made me think of Jim Edmonds is that I immediately thought of three amazing catches he made and were like, and he's, no one else has more than two, uh, more than one in my top ten. And Edmonds has three of them. So here was uh, kind of the, the way I, my number one catch of all time is Jim Edmonds when he's on the Angels. He's running directly backwards from home plate. Like the Willie Mays catch, but Edmonds lunges full extension and makes the catch going away from home plate. That's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you remember that? Do I you, do. I know. Tell me if you remember any of these. I, I know I'm exactly saying, what you're um, talking about with that one. It's, it's uh, we've talked about this a couple of times before because I think yeah. Yeah, you've mentioned that that's like your top one. Yeah, my number two is Jim Edmonds when he was on the Cardinals. This is the one in NLC, the NLCS Game 7. It's not going directly back, but it's going like at an angle and backwards. It's the same thing, just a little bit more at an angle, but it's also a run-saving catch in Game 7 of the NLCS, which is, like, adding that to it is wild. Uh-huh. Uh, number three, uh, Andy Chavez, which is also in the NLCS. This one was against the Cardinals. It was Scott Rowland hit it. Andy Chavez snow cones it, jumps, uh, robs a home run, but also falls into the wall, like, hard, bangs against the wall, holds onto it, and then doubles the runner-up who was on first base. That's pretty awesome. But in typical Mets fashion, they still lost the game. Yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. Uh, number four, Gary Matthews Jr. Do you remember this one? No. no. It's maybe the craziest catch, but I only rank it a little lower because the reason it's crazy is because he, uh, he like, misjudged where it was going to be. Mm. But he robs a home run while jumping, makes an in-air adjustment, so he jumps up, kind of rotates sideways as he's robbing a home run. That's pretty cool, but it's lower because he took a step the wrong way first, so he has that, like, weird, like, oh, shit, I gotta, like... He had to, yeah. The reason he had to make the adjustment was because he didn't jump to the exact right place, which, it's just nitpicking, but it's still one of the wildest things you'll ever see. Um, number five, Jim Edmonds again. 
Uh, it was a ball hit by Jason LaRue. And this one, he robs the home run. But, I mean, jumps up, reaches. His arm is like, you know the Vince Carter junk, dunk where mm-hmm. he puts his elbow in the rim? It's like that. He's all the way over the outfield wall and pulls it back. That's, that's always impressive. Yeah, number six, Tory Hunter in the All Star game robs Barry Bonds. Yeah, I do know exactly what you. I, that's a that's a great clip. Uh, that's a fun one. Number seven, Ichiro's Spider Man catch. Yep. Do you remember this yeah, one? Yeah, that one's awesome. I've, I've watched many an Ichiro highlight vid. He jumps up, kicks off the wall, turns backwards, and makes the catch while coming back from the wall. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, it's athletic as hell. It's like one of those things where it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Aaron Rowan, when he broke his face open on the wall out in center field in Philly, he's running backwards. It's a Willie Mays style catch, but he does it. What he makes the catch right in front of the wall. He makes the catch. Looks down to see where he is and face plants right into the outfield fence. Ugh. Yeah, that everybody always looks at it like, oh, those are padded. It's like that doesn't mean it feels good. <laughs> like, just... No, the one and the one he had was like it looked like a mesh fence uh, in uh, outfield of Citizens Bank. It was at the part of the wall where it's not just padding. Oh, it's broke just chain link. It's and um, yeah. If you break your nose making an amazing catch, you're gonna end up on the list of best catches I've seen. Nice. Uh, number nine, Dwayne Wise when he saved Mark Burley's perfect game. This would have been one of the ones. When you asked, like, oh, do you have, like, a top ten? I was like, I-, I don't know if I have a top ten off the top of my head. I could definitely cherry pick off other lists. But this was one of the first things I thought of. Yeah, you got a shout-out from Barack Obama. You got a shout-out from the President of the United States. You're going to make the list. <laughs> uh, number ten, Eric Burns. Uh, this one is the best dive I've ever seen on a catch. He It's a pop-up in foul territory. He's playing for Oakland, so it's in where their bullpen is. And he runs from so far away. And when he dives, it's like he floats in the air. He's like hanging there. He dives literally like 10 feet. He starts the dive, flies, and makes the catch at the full end of the dive. Uh, that's I remember that one. And thinking it was incredible. I will say, when I was looking up some of these, I did see one that I didn't remember seeing at the time. But would have. Uh, so I was like, in my mind, this is the list of ones I came up with that I specifically remember. But Billy Hamilton's made a bunch. Mm, yeah. There's one. There's one he makes. It was robbing Carlos Beltran. Uh, it they like tracked it all because this is in the Statcast era. He runs 120 feet. And he's running at uh, like 21 and a half miles an hour. It's a ball into the gap on the warning track. It's a double anywhere. Billy Hamilton runs full speed the entire way, dives at full extension, makes the catch. And this was not he had to dive to make up for misreading it. He read it off the bat exactly and full-on sprinted there and robbed Carlos Beltran. And that... That one is wild. He's the he's the fastest guy in baseball right now, probably still, right? Is there anybody you think that has him? Mm, I don't know. Uh, Amir Garrett, when he's running at an opposing team's dugout, maybe. <laughs> to fight all 30 players. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, there was a few others I was looking at. I remember uh, I forgot about this one. We'll never see another one like this. Uh, Lance Berkman makes the catch in the uh, Minute Maid Park at the old on the old hill that they had. On the old hill, running up and back, running up and backwards, Willie Mays style. He made a catch like that. Austin Jackson in Armando Galarraga's almost perfect game had a similar like a little over the shoulder catch also. I mean, that's just a fun, if you want to have a fun time, just start looking up amazing catches in baseball games. One of the first ones I would have thought of was the the catch Aaron Hicks made to end that game against the Twins. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because that one that one was high pressure because it was there was men on base and it was the bottom of whatever it was extra innings I think it was the bottom of the eleventh and he makes this diving yeah. catch in the gap to end the game. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Meyer. Jeffrey Meyer is <laughs> one of the best ones I that I've ever seen. Say, that would the anti Steve, the anti Steve Bartman. That would have made my list too. That so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing is exciting. I, making those catches. That was always one of my favorite parts of playing like little league and stuff. Is when you got to like take fly balls, like as part of the yeah, practice and you get drill. to. And you and you uh, kind of act like you don't know where it is, so then you can make a diving catch and pretend like you just happened to do that. <laughs> well, I was, I, one of somebody I know um, was saying that they wanted to be a professional baseball player, like they thought they had the what it took, so they went to like a couple tryouts for like minor leagues or whatever. And th- this guy thought he had a great tryout. He's like makes all these diving catches in the outfield. He's doing all this amazing stuff, and then he doesn't make the callbacks. And he asked one of the coaches, and he was like, "Well, what what's wrong? I made all these diving catches." And the guy put his hand on his shoulder. He's like, "You know who we're looking for? Guys who are fast enough where they don't have to dive." That's <laughs> <laughs> true. My, as my dad always talks about how amazing jo- of a fielder Joe DiMaggio was because he was always there for the ball. And he's like, he never dove. He never needed to dive. And it's like, I don't think he would have caught the ball Billy Hamilton dove for, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that guy's special. That guy's fast. That's probably why he's in the league. Because it's never like he's – it's not like he's a 330 hitter. Or he's getting all these RBIs. He's fast. Yeah, no. He steals bases, and he can track down balls like that in mm-hmm. the field. And, uh, yeah, that's something that statistician – or not statistician, like actual statisticians value that. But people who – the average baseball fan and average Hall of Fame voter doesn't take defense into account the way they should. There are guys like – I know in a couple of years, Torrey Hunter's going to be on the ballot, who I don't think has as strong of a case as someone like a Jim Edmonds where – one, I think I still put Torrey Hunter behind, like, Ichiro, Ken Griffey Jr., Jim Edmonds, and Andrew Jones. And he was worse than all of them offensively also. So it's a harder case for Torrey. Torrey Hunter wasn't a liability offensively. Um, it was also really hard to hit a home run with him in the Team Affinity Challenge in MLB The Show, <laughs> for me personally. I, right before um, we started this, I just did the uh, the little Don Mattingly moment, because I was like, fuck, I only have five minutes to play, like, what can I do? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a tougher road for Torrey Hunter to get there. If Jim Edmonds dropped off on the first ballot, I don't think you can have an argument for Torrey Hunter if Jim Edmonds isn't in there. Fair enough. Um, um, but... Yeah, I um I think I we we'll see how long I keep these up. I uh I already left a little teaser that uh next week I'm going to put up a post about Kevin Brown, who also is someone that's completely been forgotten about. That's I'm very interested in that. I have two more I have three more things written down as as uh, topics, but they're all quick. Um 
Zion Williamson turned 20 this week, which just blows my mind. You forget that these guys <laughs> are, are underage. Like, he can't go to a fucking bar. But he's made... He's been in the pub... He's been in this public spotlight for so long that, like... Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, he's still... Yeah, I still can't, like, buy him a shot if I see him, yeah, ever, in my life. That's, the, that's what blows my mind, is, like, I can't buy him a beer, but he's made more money than I'm ever gonna make already. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, he should buy me a fucking beer. So, uh, there's that one. Then, uh, are you familiar with the Maya Moore story? What is this? The Maya Moore story. Maya Moore is one of the better players in the WNBA, and she gave up... Oh, I think... Oh... Yes, I did hear a little about this, but I don't know. Keep going. She gave up her whole season to be involved in the legal fight of somebody who she says was imprisoned wrongly for robbery that they didn't commit, like assault and robbery. And she took a year off of the WNBA, and this person actually she got them out of jail this week. Like, there was a whole thing where they like, yeah. actually got released because she spent all this time. She, like, sacrificed a bunch of money and time. Oh, it's the WNBA. I don't know how much money she sacrificed. But, <laughs> but either way, she did sacrifice a season of her prime career to get this guy out of jail, which is just such a cool, selfless thing to do for somebody. Is there going to be an, a WNBA season? Um, I think they are trying. I think they were one of the first people to, like, officially come back, and it's going to be really short. I think they're going to do, like, 15 games and then launch into playoffs. Yeah. And they're and they don't have enough people that they social distancing will be a problem in the crowd. Yeah, it'll it'll look just like normal. <laughs> and then the last thing I have written down is something that I'm actually kind of excited about. Um, there's going to be a Kurt Warner movie. Yeah, you you texted me that. I'm excited for that because he was like bagging groceries, playing the Arena Football League, and then all of a sudden. Gets his team to the Super... Uh, plays for the Giants, does okay, gets released for Eli Manning, and then goes and leads the Cardinals to a Super Bowl. It, it's like a four-year swing between working at the grocery store and being Super Bowl MVP. And, uh, and well, yeah, he won, with, he won with the Rams even before that, too. He wins with the Rams. So, grocery store, to winning with the Rams, to bench with the Giants, to back in the Super Bowl with the Cardinals. It's a wild story. It's Yeah, and uh, Zachary Levi is going to play him, who, uh, if Shazam was his big movie last year, if people don't know who yeah. he is. He was also Chuck on NBC's Chuck for a long time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the movie's going to be called An American Underdog, Terrible Title. You sh- anybody <laughs> anybody that titles anything American anything at this point it's just like oh think for five fucking seconds about a title there's American everything so yeah American- the idea that Kurt the idea uh, that thinking about Kurt Warner's story like the it has nothing to do with America. The fact except the fact that it happened in this country. Yeah, honest. Like if if there already wasn't a movie where like Jason Lee hangs out with a superhero beagle called Underdog, I would have just be like fucking call it that. Like what's what's this American yeah. stuff? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. American Underdog is a is a very generic, forgettable title. But I hope the movie's good because there hasn't been like a really good sports biopic in a little a little while that. Got real good attention, yeah. big names. 42 was good, but it didn't make waves. I liked 42 a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. Has there been, like, a really, really big one since The Blind Side? Um, well, it depends. It depends what you consider, like, sports. Because I think there... Although, not even really. Because, like, The Fighter might have came out, like, two years later. If you're going to, like, start talking about okay. boxing That's being possible. a thing. Because Creed... 
Like I, I can think of a couple uh, of boxing when, movies. What? Yeah. When's the Kobayashi biopic coming out? <laughs> I don't know. When are you gonna write it? <laughs> you might. You might have to. Hop I'll write on it. That. I'll get Doctor. I'll get Doctor Ken on board, and we'll do it. <laughs> Ken Jong is gonna play him. <laughs> no, he's probably too old right now. Actually, we gotta get one of the uh, filthy rich Asian guys. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> okay, go get one of the kids from Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> he can play. Who would if you had to cast somebody to play Chestnut in in the Chestnut Kobayashi movie? Which there definitely is a script for that out there somewhere. Some somebody's writing that, but hmm, who would play Joey Chestnut? It's got to be somebody who looks a little bit disabled. What about, uh, what about uh, what about Beck Bennett from SNL? Who is, who is that? Remember the guy that was in those AT&T commercials with the little kids and then he Actually, makes those videos with Kyle Mooney? Him maybe, but you mentioned SNL. May, Pete Davidson could be Joey Chestnut. You think so? I think he'd have to bulk up a little. I think he's a little skinny guy, ain't he? A little, and Pete Davidson's probably taller than him. But facially, I could see uh, there's a little bit of it there. I don't know as many actors as you do, so... Yeah, I, I, it's right. It's like that's not what people are going for right now. There's not a lot of like really schlubby, goonish-looking, <laughs> balding white dudes out in Hollywood right now. <laughs> yeah, true. This is this is probably could be a big part for maybe. Maybe I'll try to. I'll I'll do my best to try to look like him. I'll play Chestnut. You could movie. be Joey Chestnut. I think you could pull it off. I this you know I'm start. The wheels are starting to turn here. Maybe maybe the script yeah. needs to get written. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, another fun week here. Joey Chestnut, world record, Nathan Tautog eating contest, Mickey, Mickey Sudo, women's world record holder. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll do the names thing next week. Or I like that idea, going through every sports team's names and their origins. I do too. It's going to be a good time. See you guys soon. All right, awesome. See you next week. Later.